Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, gets you part of the show iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's where you can listen to us and check us out. Make sure that everybody checks out our nationally syndicated show. It's Wanna Bet Weekend Edition every weekend going right up until kickoff on Sunday. Make sure you listen to that. Go check out everything at sportsgarden.com. All right, guys, here we go. Look, we are moving right along in the NFL season, and we're in a position here in the NFL seasons where we actually have some bye weeks already. I mean, it feels like the season just began and teams are separating themselves. And now all of a sudden we have some bye weeks all of a sudden this season. Uh, this week, Detroit, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Houston are all on a bye week. And each one of them, for their respective uh, selves, each need a bye week, right? I mean, the Detroit Lions um, were the number one offense, having problems stopping people. Then they got all kinds of injured. I mean, you know, losing Swift and St. Brown on top of guys like Chark and the whatnot. They get shut out. They get humiliated by New England. It's time to take a bye week, reevaluate ourselves, and see where we can do things defensively to kind of fix this. What about Tennessee? Tennessee needs a bye week. Look, they started off poorly, then they started to kind of turn it around. I think that they have to figure out some way to get the ball downfield. Traylon Burks is being uh, being out. It, it is going to be devastating for this offense, an offense that has become so one-dimensional that Derrick Henry's betting numbers are like 80 and a half, 81 and a half for his rushing yards. That's something we haven't seen in years. Vegas, look, Vegas has said, well, we feel good even though we're competing, but that record does not look good. That record looks absolutely awful. And you have to start questioning Josh McDaniels and the play calling there. If you're the team, you're taking this bye week and kind of thinking, all right, I mean, is this our guy? Are we backing him kind of blindly here? Because what we've seen is Josh McDaniels has put his, his team in positions to lose. And then the Houston Texans, they've played well in spurts. They've had good momentum in spurts. They've had things to look forward to. Uh, but overall, look, they need a bye week as bad as anybody because they are just not winning. I mean, it's just that simple. They are flat out not winning games. 
So we're going to go talk about each and every one of the games this week. Those teams are on bye week, so I wanted to kind of touch on them. If you're in fantasy leagues, if you're in daily fantasy, you know, you're not going to have the use of quite a few of these guys. I mean, right now you look at these teams, and while they're not elite teams, look, St. Brown and Swift were elite players. Jared Goff is actually playing at like an elite quarterback. Um, in Tennessee, obviously, Derrick Henry's your guy. Las Vegas, Devontae Adams is there. Josh Jacobs was rolling right along. I know a lot of people starting Derek Carr. Uh, you look at, <laughs> look, even Darren Waller is still a startable tight end. In Houston, Pierce has really separated himself. Cooks was there. Even a guy like Nico Collins and Davis Mills are, are in deeper formats. So you're going to have to find some replacements for them. Over the course of the hour here, I'm going to try to give you guys some some interesting names that you could fill in as well as on the betting aspect. I know a lot of guys kind of use their daily fantasy and their fantasy leagues to use for prop plays. Pierce has been a good prop play guy. Devontae Adams over receptions. They just feed him. He's been really good. And like I mentioned, Derrick Henry's rushing numbers have been really decreased by the sports books. They really lowered him in a lot of areas. So... You're going to have to find somewhere else to kind of go find that money and kind of make that correction. Let's start it off with Thursday night football. The Bears are about a half a point to a one-point favorite over Washington. This is a real interesting game for me. It's a really interesting game, not because I think either one of these teams are a playoff team. And before the season, I think we all sort of knew neither one of these teams were going to be a playoff team. And that's perfectly fine. That's not why it's interesting. It's interesting to me because I want to start seeing, well, you know, are the Bears finally letting Justin Fields open it up? He's coming off of a game which is basically his best game of the year, and you you have to have him throw the ball in order to have any kind of success. You have to. You can't just continue to run it out there and run the way that they had been doing. He had 21 dropbacks last week. That's the most dropbacks that he's had this season. Now, the Bears are 2-3, and three, and they play ugly, and they win ugly. Uh, they've lost two games now back-to-back in games that, you know, they could have won, by the way. Against the Giants, they, they ran the ball back with about two and a half minutes to go, down one score, except for that muffed punt, right? Uh, and, and that was the undoing there. Last week, yeah, they were down big early, came storming back, covered the spread, covered the seven and a half. So they were within one score. They are a close team. They're close to becoming something unique. Look, David Montgomery is running the ball really well. Uh, you look at Khalil Herbert. I know last week he didn't have a great week, but he's been running the ball well. Justin Fields had a 52-yard touchdown taken away from him, but he's been running the ball well. And it's a unique team because they're going back old school. I mean, them and the Patriots basically are just saying, hey, we're going to run the ball all day long. But it's been effective. They're 2-3. and three. They have a better record than Washington at 1-4. and four, And many could argue that Washington really shouldn't even have that first win. They barely beat Jacksonville in a game that Jacksonville really beat them up most of the game. The Commanders are also a league worst, a tied for a league worst, 1-4 and four against the spread so far this year. The Washington Commanders' obvious need and obvious problem area is their defense. They're absolutely terrible, but they're terrible against the pass. So maybe that helps them out here because the Bears' defense is terrible against the run, but Washington isn't really a running offense. So what we have is the both offenses trying to take advantage of the inability of the other's defense, but guess what? They don't have the kind of personnel to do that. Carson Wentz, we know. Look, he's been sacked more times than just about anybody in the league. His offensive line is absolutely terrible. Both offenses are terrible. 
Washington's averaging 16 points a game. Chicago's averaging 15.2 points a game. That ranks 26th and 27th overall in scoring offense in the NFL. Chicago, though, is about even on their turnover differential. They, 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 they pick it off, they jump on fumbles, and they usually don't make big mistakes. Well, they're not letting Justin Fields make big mistakes. Washington is minus eight. They're turning the ball over all over the place. Maybe that's the difference in this game. Washington, they have hit 90-plus rushing yards just once this season. Like I just said, the Bears' defense, they're bad against the run. Washington, they cannot run it. But on the other side, we did mention, look, Washington Commanders are second in the league in sacks allowed with 26 in the NFL in giveaways. The Bears can pop the ball out, right? I mean, they've taken classes from Pino Tillman to knock the ball out. But Chicago ranks 22nd in total defense, 15th in scoring defense. They're near the bottom of the NFL in sacks, even with Robert Quinn. And they're 22nd among defenses when you're talking about pressuring the quarterback. This is not good, guys, right? I mean, it's just not a good defense. They're they're fine, and they're – I don't want to just sit back and go, well, you know what, let's talk about what they, they give up. Yeah, their defensive efficiencies deficiencies are, are a little bit masked because Chicago runs the ball and drains the clock so much. So they're running the ball, they're draining the clock, they're, they're taking the air out of the ball, which means their defense isn't on the field to look bad all the time. The difference in this game is going to really be clearly what – offense can take advantage of the deficiencies on the other side. If Justin Fields is allowed to open this up and Justin Fields is allowed to drop back 20, uh, 21 times last week, if he's allowed to drop back 25, 26, 27 times, if he you know knocks that number up five or six times extra, maybe they could have a little success against this porous Washington secondary. In the same respect, Washington can't run the ball. But if they just commit to the run, now they have Robinson back, right? And they have uh, Gibson If they commit to the run, they can have a lot of success against Chicago. I think when you look at these two teams, people don't want to bet on Chicago because they're the ugly, winning kind of team. People don't like. The public doesn't like to bet on running teams, good defensive teams, that kind of team. Look, They just don't. If Jalen Johnson is available to go, and right now he's questionable, if Jalen Johnson's available to go, I'd be all over the Chicago Bears. They're at home. They're playing well. I don't think that Washington is able going to be able to stop their run, even though we're talking about the pass. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the running game because Chicago is just going to go back to it. I like Montgomery. I like Herbert. I like the short passing game. I like what Fields brings. I like the mobility of Fields. On the other side, Ron Rivera threw Carson Wentz under the bench, the, under the bus this week. He really did. Came out and basically said, well, you know, the difference between winning and losing is, is our quarterback. And the difference in this division is our quarterback. Forget about the fact that Dallas is playing Cooper Rush, but it's the quarterback play. So Carson Wentz is under fire right now. Ron Rivera knows he's looking over his shoulder after Matt Rule is fired. He's looking over his shoulder and saying, eh, I might be the next guy to go here. A lot of things bad in Washington. I just don't like the feel of Washington. I lean the Bears, but this is a game you just don't want to bet. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again. If this game was on the middle of the card on a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, would you bet the game? Most likely not, right? Uh, I think a lot of people are not going to even be watching this game because we do have playoff baseball. (laughs) I mean, that's the reality. And I'm a Bears fan, but that's the reality. Let's talk about Niners, Falcons. Niners are up to a six-point favorite, but you know, at three and two, Falcons at two and three, you got to start questioning the inflated line right now from the San Francisco 49ers. 
Because I start questioning this and I say, is it a matter of the public simply not understanding what's going on in San Francisco? And when I say what's going on in San Francisco, the myriad of injuries that they sustain. Nick Bosa with a groin injury, probably out of this game. Robbie Gold with a knee injury, probably out of this game. Jimmy Ward with a hand injury, probably out of this game. Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL. He is officially out of this game. So you're probably missing three defensive players and your starting kicker. Now, the Falcons are 5-0 against the spread. Falcons are perfect. They are getting absolutely no credit from teams, from the public, from sports betters, from the lines makers. They're getting nothing. But they're playing close. They're playing tight. Right. Last week, they were getting their doors blown off by the Buccaneers. 15-point fourth quarter against the Bucks brought them within the number again. It was a backdoor cover. You could say it all you want. Doesn't matter. Atlanta got there and cashed the ticket. San Francisco also has had problems on the road. They've already lost to the Denver Broncos on the road. They've already lost to the Chicago Bears on the road. Now, albeit weird situations, I get that, but they've lost against both of those teams in ugly, weird, terrible fashion kind of games. Well, there you go. Now, you could talk about San Francisco leading the league and run defense, and they do. You can't really run on this team. And they're tied for the Bills for the best spot in scoring defense. They lead the NFL with 21 sacks. Those are all really good numbers, right? They are actually are allowing less than 250 yards per game. These are all fantastic numbers when you put it out there and you say, yeah, wow, you know, this is great. But that is with Mosley. That is with Ward. And that is with Bosa. Specifically, Bosa. Bosa's the kind of guy that reminds me of a TJ Watt, where teams simply, flat out, change their direction when he's on the field. The Steelers are 0-8 now without TJ Watt in the lineup. And I think that Nick Bosa is that kind of talent. You look at the other side of things here. Look, the Falcons, Marcus Mariota is doing fine, right? Their three losses are by a combined 11 points. The Falcons are doing fine with Mariota. I don't think that the they have the explosiveness without Cordell Patterson. Kyle Pitts was banged up last week. I like Drake London, but now teams are going to kind of basically double-team him. Z on the outside is having a decent game. The thing is that there's no really big-name guys, and that's why people are fading the Falcons all the time. Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, has completed under 60% of his passes the last two weeks. He's got three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's being, he's, he's the game manager we thought he was going to be. I am making the case that the Falcons can play close I know San Francisco's more talented. I love Wilson. I think he's going to have a great game. you got to love Debo and what he can do. Uh, San Francisco's actually designed, while they're a defensive-minded team, they're actually designed to play better on a fast turf that they're going to. All of that makes me say, yeah, San Fran, they, they, might, they might win this game and they might win it going away. But the Falcons have shown me too much this season to say that they're going to get blown out. And with the number rising like it is, it worries me if I'm already betting on San Francisco. Patriots, Browns, two and three and two and three. Two and three and two and three. And the Browns have to be feeling, you know what? We we just gotta keep our head above water until Deshaun Watson comes back. The Patriots are saying, hey, two and three, we don't feel that bad at two and three. They had a terrible offseason where people said they just couldn't get anything doing offensively. It opened up the season. The Patriots looked like, well, yeah, the, everything that we read and everything, every report that came out, that's as bad as we're going to be. Their offense was terrible. Mac Jones couldn't do anything. Uh, they were going with Damian Harris, who's a solid player, couldn't do anything. They, they had no wide receivers. Their tight ends weren't playing well. Their offensive line wasn't playing well. And now all of a sudden you go, you look at this Patriots 
offense, and you go, all right, well, last time we saw Mac Jones, he was doing okay, and Bailey Zappi looked pretty good. Oh, yeah, he, he looked okay. And, and you look at this, and you go, well, Ramondre Stevenson looks great, and Harris is a one-two punch. Well, that's really good, even though Harris probably won't play this week. And we got a couple of wide receivers that don't look half bad, and, and the defense is fantastic. I mean, the Patriots have to be happy about their two and three, but the Browns are not happy about their two and three. Kevin Stefanski under his reign at home. Now, as a home favorite, the Browns are only 6-11 and against the spread. You look at New England, right? Last year, these two teams met. Last year, you could argue that Cleveland was a better team. People were going crazy about Cleveland last year. Well, New England beat them 45-7 to and absolutely destroyed them back in November last season. New, England, New England's run defense, weirdly, is their problem area, and that could be the key to this game. Their run defense is allowing about 129 yards per game. That is huge for a guy like Nick Chubb. Now, you could talk about Nick Chubb and say, yeah, Nick Chubb is not only the best running back in the league. You could talk about Nick Chubb as getting Offensive Player of the Year up until this point after five games. Yeah, look, he's, he's on pace to destroy some things. He's on pace for more than 2,000 rushing yards. He's on pace for 24 rushing touchdowns. He's on pace for six yards per carry. Uh, And now he's going up against a run defense that just simply can't contain him. They haven't proven that they can contain anybody. Now, the Browns, they lost three games by a combined total of six points. So, is that coaching or is that, hey, you know what? They're ready to break out. That's something that you have to worry about. If you're the Patriots, they could have that breakout game. I mean, Cleveland leads every team in the NFL in offensive time and possession. They're running the ball effectively, keeping the other team off the scoreboard, off the field even, that other offense. That is a problem. Now, the Pats... Look, they have more interceptions and passing touchdowns. We know what their role is going to be here. They want to run the ball also. Now, when they had Harris and Stevenson, it was a really nice one-two punch, and you like that one-two punch. And Harris, I mentioned it coming into last week, had scored a touchdown in 17 of 20 games. He's got a nose for the end zone. You could say all that. But I think anybody with two eyes that watched any New England game this year knew the talent that Stevenson was going to be. They knew the talent that this guy could eventually become. When Montgomery went down, he was kind of going to be the pass-catching back. But he was better than that, so they continued to give him more more carries. They continued to give him more targets. Now, all of a sudden, if Harris is out, Stevenson is the guy. If you are a prop player, if you are a guy that does daily fantasy— Ramondre Stevenson is the guy. I mean, he is going to absolutely be fed the ball almost to a rate of Nick Chubb. So you have two teams that want to play close games, that want to play tight, defensive, running games, drain the clock, eat the time of possession. This is a game where I can't go near the line. I know, look, the Patriots are getting about three, depending on where you're looking. You might be able to get the hook at three and a half, but it's the total that intrigues me. Again, you have Cleveland leading the league in time of possession. New England, obviously, their entire philosophy is just flat-out time of possession, keep the other team off the field. It's going to be a lot of Nick Chubb. It's going to be a lot of Stevenson, and the number has gone up. It was 41 and a half, now settled all the way down to 42 and a half. It's gone up in a weird spot. So 
this is one of those games where I think it's a separation game. Boy, one of these teams is going to go to 500. The other team is going to go to 2-4, and four, and it's going to be a desperation mode. I like what I saw in Belichick over the last couple of weeks, and Bailey Zappi, and maybe Mac Jones returns, and, and I get it all to back New England. I worry about their run defense against Nick Chubb, and on the other side, I worry about Cleveland, and I worry about Cleveland's ability to move the ball downfield outside of Nick Chubb against a New England defense that has really stepped up, and we've seen New England's defense frustrate teams in the past. Maybe they won't do it to the Lions, you know, exactly what they did to the Lions, but they're putting together game plans. Belichick is showing the world that, you know, I, I, I'm being mocked at the way that I'm designing my team, but I'm doing it the right way that I want to do it, and he's having some success. Whoever wins here is 3-3. Three and three. I'm not touching it. I think it's going to be a three-point game. I think it's going to be a great game, a really fun watch kind of game, especially if you're into defense or running games like me. But I do kind of like that under. And if it keeps rising, 42.5, I like it already. If it keeps rising and I can get a 43, 43.5, even a 44, yeah, I'll be all over that. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Every other game on the board we will go over over the course of the next hour. We'll be right back on Wagering Week right after this. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? What are the odds brings us to the NFL Coach of the Year odds, Nick Sirianni and the undefeated Eagles leading the way at plus 150. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins plus 750. The Jags, despite their terrible week last week, Doug Peterson is still 8-1. to one. Kevin O'Connell, 16-1. to one. Sean McDermott, 16-1. to one. Brandon Staley, the Chargers, 19-1. to one. Brian Dable, 20-1. to one. Dan Campbell, yeah, Dan Campbell has fallen all the way down to 25 to 1. John Harbaugh's 30 to 1. Shanahan's 30 to 1. Zach Taylor's 35 to 1. Kevin Stefanski's 35 to 1. That is what are the odds? You know, it's kind of funny. You could actually find Dan Campbell at more than 50 to 1 in some spots. He was uh, the most bet coach to win NFL Coach of the Year before the season, and he received uh, nearly 25% of the, the, the people bet on, on Dan Campbell. And I'm laughing. I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, you know, you look through this list, and, and it does kind of make me chuckle a little bit when you're looking for value. Hey, where's Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll's 100 to 1 odds. I mean, why is Pete Carroll not at least somewhere up here? And Pete Carroll's got to be somewhere up there. He just has to be. You start to look at it, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, 65 to 1 odds. Eh, Bill Belichick wins this week. That's got to go up. I mean, that's got to go up substantially. 
if they win this week. Andy Reid's 50 to 1 odds. Guys, Andy Reid, 50 to 1. That's somebody I would take a shot at. 50 to 1 odds on Andy Reid is something I, I would I would go take a stab at right now. That's something I would go and run to the window for. Um, how about Brian Dable? 20 to 1 on Dable? I don't think the Giants sustain this. I don't. Uh, but they may not have to sustain much. I mean, if Brian Dable wins 10 games, he, he's going to be in this thing. And then you have Sean McDermott to me at 16 to 1. I know the Bills are loaded, but doesn't he have to get some kind of consideration? To me, Andy Reid's the best value. Andy Reid's certainly the best value, but McDermott's got to be up there. And and Brian Dable makes sense. I think a lot of people are going to jump on Brian Dable, though. All right, let's continue on. Jets, Packers. Packers are about seven, seven and a half point favorites here. They were about a 10-point favorite last week. And now all of a sudden, this is the reaction. The Green Bay Packers fall in London to the Giants. The Dolphins get crushed by the Jets, and everybody loves the Jets. Zach Wilson looks good, back from his injury. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he looks good. But it's really the running game that you go and concentrate on. Jets absolutely dominating on the running game, on the ground game. Five total touchdowns against the Dolphins. They ran all over them. The Giants, by the way, were able to run all over the Packers. I know it's Saquon Barkley, but nearly 4.9 yards per carry last week. The Jets... You know, you look at them and you go, can they can they run the ball effectively here? And I could give the numbers of the Packers 20 and 10 against the spread at home under LaFleur and Shore, absolutely. And you could say that the Jets, you know, they forced six turnovers the last two weeks. Maybe they're playing a little bit better there. Yeah, look, this comes down to the running game. If the New York Jets and Brees Hall are able to really put their nose to the grindstone and just concentrate on the run, let Wilson not attack that secondary that it does have a lot of talent and let Wilson not be able to make those mistakes despite the idea that you have good players out there and Wilson and Moore and, and uh, you know Davis you have some good players out there just contrary on the running game I think that this is a beatable Packers team but if the Packers decide to focus on the running game I think that they could also beat the Jets with with going away look Aaron Jones is averaging almost six and a half yards per carry okay yet Somehow, Aaron Jones is getting fewer carries than A.J. Dillon, who's averaging less than four yards per carry. Eventually, they're going to have to look at the film. Eventually, they're going to have to look at the numbers. And this is an analytics-driven organization. They're going to look at the film. They're going to look at the numbers. They're going to say, look, we've got to correct this, right? And we've got to give Jones more carries. I think Jones has a lot of success. If they do that, I don't know if I could bank on more than a touchdown, even at home, that they will do that. Jaguars and Colts. Both of these teams are just having one of those seasons where you're going, I don't know what team's coming out of the locker room. I just don't. Jonathan Taylor, we literally don't know what team's coming out of the locker room because we don't know if he's going to be playing. The Jags had a lot of success back in week two against the Colts. They combined for 18 points in week five. Neither one of these offenses are rolling, right? And the total has shown that. The total has dropped from 44.5 down to 42, and it's still dropping, okay? So you look at that. The Jaguars are a team that I have been on top of for a while, and last week they just absolutely crushed me. I mean, I was in Vegas. I lost. I, I literally lost five thousand dollars on the ticket betting on the Jaguars last week, in, in a game where they just had to win. That's it. I mean, that one stung for me. And I'm trying not to be emotional about throwing away the Jaguars and just telling them, you know, say what are we doing? Look, 
Trevor Lawrence has looked bad now for two weeks. Trevor Lawrence with that turnover in the end zone, they went back and looked at his college tape, and basically they had said that is the worst throw he's ever made in his career. Now, I like the idea that they tried to get Travis Etienne back involved, but James Robinson was absent. And where was Christian Kirk? One, one catch? I mean, Christian Kirk, one catch for like five yards. Where was this team against Houston? I have no faith in the Jaguars this week against the Colts, even though I don't love the Colts because of what I watched. And I'm trying to say, okay, it was one game. I'm trying to say it was one-off. But it was against the Texans, and they were at home. And it was the key players that looked terrible. There was a 15-yard penalty by Lloyd that really lost the game for them, let's be honest. Trevor Lawrence looked bad. I mean, there was nothing to go on. If you're the one of these guys that, Turns around, you go, burn the tape, right? Throw the tape in the garbage, burn the tape, don't watch it. Okay, then you're going to like the Jaguars in this spot. But if you watch that game as intently as I did, and I have gone back and now watched it twice because I love heartache, uh, you watch that game and you go, there was nothing good working for the Jags, nothing at all. Meanwhile, the Colts, well, <laughs> here we go. The Colts last year were in the top 10 in scoring, okay? Um, you look at what they were doing with Carson Wentz, they were top 10, and a lot of it was Jonathan Taylor, or most of it was Jonathan Taylor. I get that. Still top 10 team. Last year, Matt Ryan and the Falcons were in the bottom five of the league in offense. This year, the Colts are 32nd. Falcons are in the top 10. I mean, I'm not blaming it all on Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan has completed less than 4% of his attempts. Not even completed. Less than 4% of his attempts have gone for more than 20 yards. I mean, it is the lowest in the league by far. And you kind of are just targeting on Alec Pierce. Where's the rest of his team? I think that we can vehemently say that Matt Ryan has hit a wall. I think we could absolutely say that Matt Ryan's best days are behind him. If Jonathan Taylor plays in this game, I'm going to run away. If Jonathan Taylor doesn't, I'm going to try to put my bias of what I watched last week aside and say maybe the Jags are not the team that I, I watched. Maybe they can have a fluky game. Look, the Bills lost to the Texans last year, right? Or the Jags last year. Maybe they could have that one fluky game, and this could be that Houston Texans game. Talk about Miami and the Vikings. Well, talk about quarterback situation. Right now, when I'm talking, I don't know. I don't know if two is going to go. I don't know if Bridgewater is going to go. I don't know if they're going with Skylar Thompson. I'm not sure. What I do, though, when I try to prepare for the show, what I do is I call up people that know more than me. I call up the beat reporters. I try to look at what the injury reports are saying and what they're thinking. I think two is out for the next two or three games. I don't think two is suiting up here. I do, however, think Teddy Bridgewater does. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater should have been taken out of the game last week, and I don't think that they think that he should have been taken out of the game. Now Miami's getting three points in this spot, but it's not just him. Tyreek Hill's dealing with a foot injury. Jalen Waddle's dealing with a groin injury. Xavier Howard uh, probably will suit up back to play, but he hasn't looked good when he's lingering around. Look, Minnesota, 1-4 and four against the spread. That is, like I said, tied for worst in the league. I talked about it earlier. Dolphins, they're 2-0 against the spread at home, and they're getting home points here, which you really got to like in this spot. The Vikings, look, they won their last three games, right? But the Vikings have won the last three games in London. They were down with less than five minutes to play. Last week, you know, the Vikings almost gave it away to the Bears. Game before that, they were down with about five minutes to play. The Vikings are a very unimpressive 4-1, and if you could be such a thing. Bengals and Saints. Bengals are about one, one and a half point favorite. And you got to start to think in that division with these teams up against it, 
you got to start to think that this is almost a make-or-break game for the Bengals and the Saints if you have any idea of a division championship. The Saints know that they're facing Tampa Bay. They're chasing Tampa Bay. Bengals, you know what? you got a couple of teams there that, that are going to be a real stick in the mud later on in the year. Joe Burrow has not been himself. This offense has not been itself. They were fantastic last year. What have they done this year? Look, you, you start with what they haven't done, and you go, okay, look, the Bengals— They've surrendered the third most sacks in the NFL. That's the same problems they had last year. But Jamar Chase isn't getting open downfield. Um, you look at Higgins has been banged up. Tyler Boyd, they're just not getting him the ball enough. And they said this week, oh, you know, we got to make a concerned effort to get Tyler Boyd the ball more. Yeah, you think? Yeah, absolutely, right? But on the Saints side of things, they're all banged up. They, they did get a win against Seattle, but it's against Seattle. And they didn't have Winston. They didn't have Michael Thomas. Tyson Hill. Tyson Hill was just... I mean, he was everywhere. I don't think that that happens again here, especially when you're sitting back and you're going, wait a minute, now it's not only Winston, now it's not only Michael Thomas, now it's not only Jarvis Landry, now it's Chris Olave. I, I don't know if they have the offensive weapons here. You know, Dennis Allen knows the Bengals well. Dennis Allen is going to blitz them all day and try to get to, to him. So offensively, I could see an offensively challenged game from both sides of the field. I think uh, Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, who used to be you know um, the Saints there, I think that they have good games on their defensive side. And Cincinnati ranks 13th in total defense, 8th in defensive scoring, tied for 4th in takeaways. You start to look at Cincinnati and you go, yeah, I, this could be that g- defensive type of game. I think both offenses certainly do have a hard time moving the ball. And then uh, that brings us to, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's look at the total. Total is 44 and kind of holding steady at 44. I know it's a low number, but if the deficiencies are there and the injuries are there for Winston and Thomas and uh, Olave and Jarvis Landry, keep an eye on that. If those guys are out, Bengals and the under are the only way to play. Ravens, Giants. Ravens are up to a five and a half point favorite here. Baltimore getting out of uh, town kind of with a close, tight, Justin Tucker type of win, and they're okay with that. I was massively, massively impressed with the defense that they were able to throw against Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that put 41 points on them, 40-plus points on them the last two times they saw them, and 41 the last time that they saw them, a defense that really played just above and beyond that. They were absolutely fantastic, right? I mean, they really were. And the Ravens, look, five weeks into the season, they've given up the most passing yards per game at about 290 passing yards. Baltimore has allowed a ton of passing yards, right? I mean, they're 12th in the league against the run, which is good, and they're ninth in the league with 11 sacks. And, you know, they have the most, you know, with the Bills and Eagles, the most takeaways in the league with 11. So their defense is doing good stuff. The thing is, you could throw on them. You could throw on them all day. Can the Giants throw on them? I mean, you know, really, that's what it is. We we know that. You know, it's all about can they can they do that? And the Giants have not shown that they can do that at all. Look, Saquon Barkley is averaging twenty three offensive touches per game, and they're able to run the ball. New York is four and one against the spread. That's all great. I get it all. Okay, they're four and one overall. Oh, this is all fantastic, right? And on the other side, the New York Giants defense. You look at Wink Martindale, he's going to come up with something against his old team. Sure, the Ravens are also going to be missing Marcus Williams. Maybe you can throw on them, but they're not going to. They're not going to be able to throw on them. It's all going to be all about the run here. And the Giants, while they're going to try to find some running success against the 12th-ranked run defense, well, 
What do the Ravens do? Well, the Ravens run. The Ravens run all the time. We know that. And New York is bad against the run. They're giving up five yards per carry. I think that this is a Lamar Jackson type of game. Not necessarily a J.K. Dobbins type of game, but more so a Lamar Jackson type of game. If Jackson wants to really be that guy today, um, you know, and start to really put himself back into that MVP race after a couple of weeks where he's had down weeks. This is the perfect opponent to do it. They can't stop the run. And on the other side, they can't kind of get deep with the ball. So uh, here we go again, another run versus run type of team game where both teams want to just go pound the ball. And the number has gone up from 43 and a half on the total to 45. And I'm seeing some 45 and a halves reach out there. I don't get why everybody's liking this over. The New York Giants are not an offensive team, even though we saw some decent offense against that Green Bay team. I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball here. Here we go again, kind of liking the under. My entire card looks like I like every under so far. Let's go to Bucks and Steelers. The Steelers were absolutely humiliated last week. No other way around it. 38 to 3 is a pure humiliation. The Bucks 3 and 2 failed to cover again because the Falcons came back late. And the Falcons came back late against a defense now that was humiliated against Kansas City. Let this team back in it. Their defense Tampa Bay's defense has a lot of great numbers, but I don't like the eye test here. Look, the the Bucks rank sixth in the league in total defense, sixth in passing defense, sixth in scoring defense. They're tied for third in takeaways. They're third in the league with sacks with 19. I mean, you look at what they do well, and their defense is really good. We know that. But I don't like the eye test of letting the Falcons back into this thing. I don't like the eye test of what they did against the Chiefs. It just doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good laying eight, eight and a half points on the road against a team that just got absolutely humiliated. You look at Tom Brady since he got to Tampa Bay. The Bucs are 11-11 against the spread on the road. They don't cover road games, right? Now, Brady does have a successful history against Pittsburgh. They're 12-3 against the spread against Pittsburgh. That's including the playoffs. Um, Brady has looked really good. 52 passing attempts the last two weeks. I was in Vegas with my wife, and she said, you know, I want to take a a shot at something here. She wanted to, to take a shot at a prop play. Brady over you know, attempts last week. Nailed it. She crushed it. Yeah. How do you not take him almost every week? He's also got back-to-back 300-yard games. Kenny Pickett also has a 300-yard game last week. 52 passing attempts, but down 38-3. to three. And now without Fryermuth, can we expect anything like that? Absolutely not. This Steelers offense ranks 28th in yards per game. 30th in points per game. They are just not going to be able to move the ball. I don't like laying eight, eight and a half points, whatever it's going to be here. I don't like laying that in this spot because there are all those intangibles going on. It's on the road. It's against a young gunsling. They're just going to let him throw. I could see another backdoor cover here, but you got to go bucks or nothing here. I mean, this is this is just flat out bucks or nothing. All right, guys, let's talk about Panthers, Rams, 1-4 and four Panthers, 2-3 and three Rams. Uh, the Rams are anywhere. I've seen them as a 9-point favorite. You could still get them. I've seen them up to an 11-point favorite. Matt Rule is out the conversation that, uh, you know, uh, can he run this team? Well, I think we all knew that he couldn't. I mean, I think we all knew that he couldn't. Interim coach is going to be Steve Wilkes. You remember him from his San Francisco days. The thing is that, you know, this team – 
this Panthers defense is going to get a little bit of a boost. They like Steve Wilkes, okay? P.J. Walker's going to get the start because Mayfield is out. I don't even know if that's a big downgrade, to be honest with you. I really don't. The Panthers' offense was under five yards per play average. That was tied for second lowest in the NFL anyway. So how much of a, of a downgrade can that possibly be? The De- Panthers' defense, they're going to feel good about Steve Wilkes taking over. Now, again, last week I said I don't like, like this Panthers team without Jeremy Chin. So, yeah, Jeremy Chin's still there, and the Panthers' defense does allow nearly 140 yards rushing yards per game. But the Rams, they can't run the ball. The Rams' offense is absolutely broken, guys. I've been saying it for weeks, and yes, that is absolutely true. You could talk about no team in the NFL has averaged fewer yards per game than the Panthers. That's great. But the Rams' offense is horrendous also. They are 29th in points scored running. I mean, they can't run at all. 65 rushing yards only once. Now, 14 of 17 times last year, they've run for more than 65 rushing yards one time, and they don't have a quarterback they can add to that at all. Matthew Stafford is going to be absolutely harassed. They are going to double, triple, and quadruple team Cooper Cup. I still don't know if that's going to be enough. Both of these teams combined are 2-8 and eight against the spread. So you look at Carolina, you go, oh, yeah, they're terrible against the spread. They're, they're, they're just a terrible team. But the Rams are just as terrible right now. Stafford's been sacked 21 times already. He's got 12 giveaways. That's second most in the NFL. He was sacked last week five times. He was strip sacked twice. One return for a touchdown. He's picked off once. This is two ugly, ugly teams. Except next to the Rams name, you have defending Super Bowl champions. Next to the Panthers name, you have... Oh, team that just got rid of their head coach. I mean, that's the reality here. I think 11 is way too many points if you could get this at 11 and let people just keep betting on the Rams. Let people drive this number up. New interim head coaches, new quarterbacks, sometimes the team rally, and this could be one of those rallying cry type of games for the Carolina Panthers. If it's not, we may see Christian McCaffrey playing for Buffalo. I mean, you know, I, I read the reports where it says Christian McCaffrey. Oh, the Buffalo Bills called about Christian McCaffrey. Well, everyone's got to call about Christian McCaffrey. Um, but you, you you think about, okay, if they lose this game, new head coach, their season is is officially, I mean, their season at 1-4 and four might be over anyway, but at 1-5, and five, yeah, it's officially over. Why would they not start fielding some calls? They're going with a new coach in a new direction. Uh, they have a running back that is the leader of the team, sure, but he's also an injury-prone guy, very expensive. Hey, I think that Christian McCaffrey could be playing for a different team. But that's into the future. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, the, to future. the future. All right, let's go bet to the future. And speaking of Matt Rule, I have the odds of where will Matt Rule wind up, right? We know he's a very successful college coach. Nebraska's plus 150, Auburn's 3-1, to one, Wisconsin's 5-1, to one, Arizona State plus 750, Colorado's 8-1, to one, Stanford's 10-1, to one, Oklahoma's 12-1, to one, Georgia Tech's 12-1, to one, Texas A&M's 16-1, and any other NFL team, 33-1. to one. That is bet to the future. You know, I look at this and I go, I, I mean, Nebraska's going to be on the top of everyone's list. Um, Colorado is, is god-awful this year. I don't know if Matt Rule takes the Colorado job. Wisconsin makes a lot of sense. It's his style. That that makes a little bit of sense. I, I don't know if Stanford goes in a new direction. And Georgia Tech, I think I think they're going to hang on there. Um, Texas A&M, I mean, are we already saying Jimbo's gone? I, 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 is that what we're just, we're just going with that? I, I don't know. I mean, Nebraska makes some sense. I think they want a bigger name, but Nebraska makes a little sense. Wisconsin makes some sense. 
Um, maybe he goes to a small school like Colorado. I don't like anything there. I, I, that's my way of saying I don't like anything there, any particular thing there. All right, let's go back to the board. Cardinals, Seahawks, both of these teams are two and three. Cardinals minus three on the road up in Seattle. Seattle's been playing really good, but the Cardinals looked they, they played well last week. They had a chance to win last week had it not been for the Murray slide and then you know spiking the ball and all that. The Cardinals are three and two against the spread. Absolutely, a very bad Cardinals beginning that was expected. And they're still 3-2 and two against the spread, 2-0 and oh against the spread on the road because they're missing so many players. Now these players are starting to come back, but they're not going to be back for this game quite yet, right? Now, the Cardinals have been a really good bet on the road. Under Kingsbury, they've covered about 75% of their road games since he's come in. Well, that's the best record in the NFL. They do go on the road well, but we also know Seattle's really good at home. Uh, the Cardinals have some problems. Kyler Murray is averaging less than 6 yards per attempt. They are... Often throwing, he's not using his legs the way that we've seen him using his legs. That's a problem there, right? But the Cardinals do have a really good situational matchup. When you're talking about an X's and O's, Ertz is a situational problem for Seattle who does not cover the tight end very well. And Brown, who gets out in space, can be a nightmare for this team. A lot of their defense is kind of going deep on Seattle, and, and you are not able to get them in the back end. Obviously, they're dealing with some injuries. We know Jamal Adams is out for the year. They're giving up 6.6 yards per, per play, and a lot of that is those deep passes. But the Seahawks have put up 32 points in the loss last week, and Geno Smith is currently leading the NFL with a 75% completion rate. Geno Smith is playing fantastically. And you talk about nightmare problems. Look, Lockett and Metcalf present exactly that. Over the last three years, these teams have split, right? Arizona's won two or three in Seattle, though. Like I said, they do travel pretty well. Bills, Chiefs, I know you guys have been waiting for it. It is the game of the week, and it's got the potential to be the absolute game of the year. The Bills are a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a rematch, of course, of last year where they had to change the rules because basically Josh Allen just ran out of time. The rematch last year, the divisional round, you could argue that that is one of the greatest games in NFL history. I know it's one of the most recent greatest games that pops off my mind right away. 42-36, that was the final both of these offenses have not taken any steps back. Both of these offenses are averaging 30 points per game. The Bills are 4-1. They're 3-1-1 against the spread this year. The Chiefs are looking really good. Even though they didn't cover on Monday night, they looked good and dominant again. Travis Kelsey put out a tweet and said, Look, I am Al Bundy. Yeah, you are. Four touchdowns in one game. We could talk about it forever. But he really didn't do anything outside of that. Now, this is not to disparage a four-touchdown game in any way, shape, or form, but I think Travis Kelsey needs to be more involved. And I like the idea that they're getting Jarek McKinnon involved, but you kind of worry about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You worry that Schuster missed and dropped quite a few passes. You worry about Valdez Scandling. Now, look, Matthew Mahomes is a magician. He could do anything he wants out there. Yes, but it's not the same kind of uh-oh kind of offense that we saw last year. Now, the Bills... They built their defense to stop this this passing game. And that's what they did. But while they do play zone and they try to make it all kind of in front of them, guys, the secondary issues are a problem in Buffalo. Now, on the flip side, Kansas City's defense has played well. I mean, they've played better than I think most people thought that they were going to play. They are a, a very solid defense. 
But Solid doesn't get it done against Josh Allen and what he's been doing. Gabe Davis got involved last week. It looks like Isaiah McKenzie will probably be back here. Singletary's playing well. There's Everybody on this offense is playing really, really well and really fine, crisp football offensively. The Chiefs need the big plays. And the number here is 53.5 on the total. The Chiefs need the big plays, and they rely upon the big plays. But the Bills are designed to stop that. How much of this is just a design on the Bills to stop those big plays? How much of it is going to be a problem because they're injured? That is the difference in this game. Here's what I would suggest about this game. It's a great watch. This is the game. Don't have a player on it. Don't 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 do anything because you just want to watch it as an NFL fan. I think it's a one point game. I think it's a high scoring one point game. But I think it's a one point game. But high scoring. Uh, look, guys. You know, thirty twenty seven is is you know high scoring, and you barely get to the number. Can can we see? Can we see a twenty eight? You know, twenty four type of game. Yeah, and it doesn't get to the over. So. Be careful with this game. I think everyone's going to pound on this over, and I can see both of these teams kind of saying, okay, let's keep the other uh, other quarterback off the field and just run the offense the way we want to run it. Cowboys, 4-1. Eagles, 5-0. Yet the Eagles are a 4.5, 5-point favorite at home. And Dallas... Now, all of a sudden, you have the Dak Prescott conversation coming in. Does he come back this week? I don't think he does. Look, Cooper Rush hasn't lost yet. I don't think that this is the game where you push him back. Micah Parsons is also dealing with an injury, but he's probably going to play. Dallas has 20 sacks on the year. People are talking about them as the best defense in the NFL. But Philly has 17. You know, all of this... Jalen Hurts and the offense and how incredible it is. It's getting lost that the defense by Philly is absolutely fantastic. Slay against C.D. Lamb will be a great matchup to watch. And you look at Philadelphia, you go, look, look, the Cowboys have the best defense when you're talking about fumbles and turnovers and getting to the passer. But defense is not Oh, you know, very far behind for the Eagles. Their run defense specifically ranks fourth in the league. Now, they're fourth in the league in total defense, fifth against the pass, and they were fourth against the run until last week where they're still top 10, seventh in points allowed per game, fourth in sacks. I mean, this team is right there. Dallas, seventh in the league in total defense, seventh against the pass, third in scoring defense, second in sacks with 20, tied for fourth in interceptions. But the Cowboys can be run on. The Eagles are the fourth best rushing team in the league. This total has fallen from 45.5 down to 41.5. So people are starting to look at that under. And this is what I would have gone with right away. The 45.5 is a number I jumped on early. Now that we're talking, look, I can't give that out anymore because the number has fallen so much. You got two really good defenses up against each other. You have two offenses that don't want to make a mistake in this big spot. I think that we see a lot of running from Philadelphia because Dallas, you can run on Dallas. We've seen that happen. We've watched teams be able to run on Dallas, including even the Giants were able to have all kinds of running success, even when everybody knew what was going on in that game. Uh, Philadelphia, for, for, for them, you know, if Dallas wants to establish stuff, you don't put the ball in Cooper Rush's hands. Now, if Dak comes back, all of this could be changed. But I look at this game as being a really tough, really tight game, and I did like the under until the huge drop in the total. All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Broncos, Chargers, 2-3 and three against 3-2. Three and two. Huge game for the Broncos to try to kind of get back into this thing. The Chargers are 5.5-point favorites, but huge game for them, and Russell Wilson just went underwent a procedure. He had an injection in his throwing shoulder. They said that he had problems two games ago. Well, it looked like it last game. Sure, he's going to try to play through the injury, 
But how much of an injury really is that? I don't know. What we do know is Denver is tied for a league low record against the spread. They covered just one game this year. That's because everybody thought that Denver was going to be this great team. Everybody thought that Denver was going to be this explosive team. Everybody believed that Denver was going to go do all these things. And Russell Wilson has absolutely failed. Now, Javante Williams getting injured, that really didn't help anything, of course. But this is a Russell Wilson problem and an offensive line problem that they haven't been playing poorly, but they haven't been playing great. The Denver defense, though, is absolutely for real. They are third in total defense. They lead the league in pass defense. They rank fourth in points allowed, and they have the fourth most sacks. That is great for Denver. Here's the problem. They just lost cornerback Ronald Darby. They lost Josie Jewell, who was having a great year. I don't know how much of that defense is going to take a step back. The Chargers, by the way, they're 4-1 against the spread this year. Eckler is finally running wild. And while this team is not 100% healthy, they're obviously missing Bosa on the defensive side. On the offensive side, Keenan Allen still yet to suit up. You still have Herbert. You still have Eckler. And the way that they're playing here, I think they could find holes in a defense that is suddenly injured. I would have never gone anywhere near this game, guys. This is one of those games I would have ran so far away from had the Chargers gone in to this game against a very healthy Broncos team. I kind of like the under in this spot. I said, yeah, you know, you, you got two of these teams, both of them that play pretty good defense. The total has dropped from 47 down to 45 and a half. Well, that was the 45 and a half became my comfort zone. I really did look at this game and say, yeah, the under makes a lot of sense. But with the Broncos injuries, Darby is huge. The Broncos injuries, I'm really concerned that that is going to be a problem. Oh, by the way, the Russell Wilson injury also has to be a huge concern. And here's the thing, though. You know, you look at this game, you go, well, Tom, if Russell Wilson injured, they're going to run the ball all day. Do the Denver Broncos feel very confident with just giving Melvin Gordon the ball time and time again? Because we saw Mike Boone try to get involved. We saw them sign Latavius Murray uh, off of the Saints practice squad. We we watched all this happen, and we said, it looks like they don't believe in Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's what it seems to me as well. So I don't even believe in a full running game. As far as Eckler, look, Eckler's running the ball a lot, but he's not that between-the-tackles kind of runner, and he's just not going to be a guy that's going to carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. So I see two games, two teams that should run the ball effectively, and they should go after the run all day. Two defenses that are banged up. It keeps me away from the total here, too. I think we got a really good Monday night game. I do think the Chargers win the game. I just don't love giving that many points in a divisional game on Monday night. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. 
Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.